Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I am so happy to have you join me yet again another Thursday for the show that educates, empowers, and inspires you. And it's so wonderful to see everybody from around the world coming and listening to the show and hopefully inspiring everybody around you. Um, But before we get started with my amazing guest, I wanted to share something with you that has changed the way I feel in my body. And as a fitness person and nutrition expert for almost 35 years, um, I've tried a lot of different things, but lately, well, about a few months ago, I tried um, a plant-based company called Sakara. And the whole idea behind this company is to help nourish your body and change your life. That simple. And that's what it's really done for me. So when I turned 60 in December, I wanted to start consuming more plant-based products. And this just really fit for me. And I wanted to share it with you. And I also wanted to share my 20% off code so you can get these meals delivered to your home. So what I forgot to tell you at the beginning, because I was so excited to share this with you, is that they deliver these plant-based meals to your home. And so it's easy and it's delicious and it takes all the thinking out of what you need to eat and to eat healthy. So my code is XO Jody to save 20%. The name of the company is Sakara. That's S A K A R A. So go to sakara.com. And when you leave in your shopping cart, put in XO Jody to save 20%. So that's it. I hope that you try it out and I want to share that with you. So here we go. Back to the show is my friend, Mike DiMatteo. Mike, thank you for being here once again with me today. We are in person today, so it's very exciting. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, really, really fun. And what I wanted to talk about um, is something that you and I have talked about a lot, which is fear, failure, success, personal growth. So I wanted to ask you, what? Two F bombs. Two F bombs. Two big <laughs> two F bombs. Yes. Neither of which one I use, to be honest. No, really. Part. Well, I mean, I guess we're going to talk about it, but yeah, you know, I'd well, rather the, use the other F bomb. Right. So these you don't use. Like fear does not come to mind. It comes to, to mind. I'm not sure it comes out of here. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot. All right. So fear, because the name of the show is fearlessly authentic. Fear is like something that has really um, been a big part of my life because it's something I've struggled with. I've allowed fear to stop me from doing a lot of things. Right. And I recognize that. I didn't know in my 20s and 30s, maybe 40s, that it was fear. But as I'm older and more experienced in life, I do realize that I've allowed, when I don't want to do something, it's usually the fear. And I wanted to ask you if that's ever stopped you from pursuing something. I'm not sure it stopped me. 
I think it's more, it'll slow the progress towards that. Okay. Like, you know, and it can be something as simple as like, I used to rollerblade a lot, jumping on handrails, going off jumps, jumping over cars and all that stuff is relatively scary. Scary. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of fear because it's like, am I going to fall? I'm going to get hurt. Am I going to break something? And, um, you know, you get on the skates and you're like, at first you have no idea how to do anything. And then you slowly practice and then you practice. And then you get to that point where you can do a 360 off a ramp. And then you go off backwards and do a 360. And then one day all your friends are around and you've been trying this certain trick to do a 720, which is two rotations. And you just keep flinging yourself and you're falling and you're falling and you're falling. And then that one day there's a crowd and you've practiced it enough. And all of a sudden you whip that 720 around and you're like, wow. Right. So like, yes, you're afraid up to a point, but, but you, you never but let the, it stop you from, from going forward. Yeah. Because to me, fear like backs up into the ego. Absolutely. Right? Cause you're just really, a, you're afraid of your ego getting bruised or something like that. Right. And if you're not afraid of the ego getting bruised in, in the skating world, right? Like it's, it's, you're competing with yourself. Yeah. Maybe you have your friends, but you're really competing with yes. yourself. Yes. So what's the worst part I'm going to do is get bruised. Like I fell eight times doing this. What's the ninth? What's the 10th? It doesn't really matter after that. Right. You know, unless you have a catastrophic fall on your first trick, like let's just say you do it, the, the 720, you break your ankle. Right. Yeah. You might not go back to it. It might take you a while. Yeah. But for the most part, like, you just, you fall down again and you get up and you try it. Well, you said two things that stuck in my mind, which was the fear and the ego, which I never really understood for the longest time. Yeah. Well, but I, it, I don't think a lot of people do understand that. I don't they, think we pay enough attention to what these feelings are because they're just feelings, right? Like fear is just a word. It's a feeling, but all your feelings are derived from inside you. So it's all about you and your ego. Or you're it, right? Like we go back to these philosophical things. Right, the things that we didn't really pay attention to when right. they were teaching. Well, we, we, right, we, we learned about it. We, <laughs> right. read, we read these books. Exactly. You know? And it's when I think about being afraid to do something and then putting my ego aside, I find that once I brush that off to the side, then everything's just completely open, but it's right. so hard to do that. I mean, it's the hardest thing in the world. It, it is. literally is the hardest thing, but it's, it's the hardest thing in the world at the first step, right? It is. Because the second you open those floodgates, everything opens up, the world opens up. And for like in the skating world, for us, like we saw guys on TV that were pros doing it, but we didn't have a lot of people around us that were doing it. There was a lot of skateboarders, a lot of bikers, but for as far as that kind of aggressive rollerblading was concerned in line skating, we basically got hockey skates and learned to try and start sliding down a slide. And then we were like, oh, we can go get these skates. So we were competing against ourselves. Right. So like one of my other friends had less fear than I did. And he used to do some incredible stuff. But then you found like, okay, well, here's a trick I can beat him at. Mm -hmm. And though I'm afraid to do that trick that he's doing, mm -hmm. I can do this trick. And then he's going to give me props because he's not going to be able to do that trick. That's more my lane, more my style. Right. Right. So you're competitive with yourself. Well, in that world, you're competitive with yourself, you know. And but with your friends, because you were like, I, I wanted. Yeah, but and we were pushing each other, so it okay. was not like anybody was super good, or we didn't have that professional teaching us. Right. Right. Like all we saw was people on TV, and we would take the skates and put them on, and go out into the yard where we had uh, somebody had welded us a rail, and we'd go practice on it. 
Right. You know, and then we try doing this. And it, so it's just, it's like the, the fear, it's, it's like the trial and error. Like that's. Well, that's life, right? That's, well, that's what I that's like. That's what it is. And I think it's that's life. why fear doesn't, or I mean, listen, it, it comes into my mind all oh, the time. Right. But it doesn't stop me from doing things. It will impede my progress or, or slow me down because you have to come up with a mental gymnastics to get over it. You do. But I, I like that. Like right before we got out of here on air here, when you hear the theme music, you're like, okay, here we go. We're going yes. live. Like you get that jitter. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a good jitter. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's scary, Every but it's time. one of those, it's the thing where you're like, you take a deep breath and you're like, let's go. We're live. Okay. Right. 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 I mean, obviously in this situation, I'm not hosting, but I still get those jitters. And yeah. I, you know, I guess that's something. I think, you know, when we talk about fear, I think there's that controlled fear and that uncontrollable fear. And before before we started, I had taken out the definition of fear. Oh, and that's I, interesting. Yeah. So I'm going to read it to okay. you. Okay. Fear, an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. That's one part. Or a feeling of anxiety concerning the outcome of something or the safety and well-being of someone. So you have a five-year-old. Yeah. So you've taught her to look both ways before she crosses the street. If you see her running out of the house, a car's coming down, you're going to feel that fear. Hey, Daniela. Right. You're like, hopefully everything we taught her just now, but you fear, you fear that maybe she didn't remember every single time you and your wife have taught her to look both ways. Well, that's the tough part about kids. Yes. Because we were just talking about me, me, me. Which makes us very old. Right. Right. Which makes me, me, me talking about rollerblading. But yeah, with kids, (laughs) now you throw that in the equation. And and for parents, it's even harder because you you do have to think, well, I taught her all that. Yes. She's not going to jump in front of that car. I want to scream and yell. And so maybe this is the time to do like, hey, right. right because this is that's real danger. That's the emotion. That, yeah, and, but that's real danger. Like car yes. coming across the street, kid darts out. First thing you do is if you're not there, you, you scream, yell, stop them, or you grab them. Right, so that's right? the different kind of fear that like, runs our adrenaline, we're going to go and we're going to, we're going to save our But if it's her jumping off the little pier over there at the beach down by the street, Mm -hmm. right down by your house, um, that you got to let her do. Yes. You got to be there to help her, protect her, maybe, you know, give her some pointers about how to jump out, but that you got to let her do. So if you let fear get in the way of doing or letting your kid do that, now you're impeding their progress. Okay. I love that you said that because I love that you said that because I, when I was raising my daughters, um, their dad would always say, Jody, stop, just move back. Just go get a coffee or something. I got this because I was allowing my fears, right? Not, not, I got over it soon, but I realized, oh my God, you know, my fears are getting in the way of them going forward. And as a parent, you learn that really fast. Otherwise you're going to raise. And it's scary. A child that doesn't want to ever take a risk, you know? Yeah. And it's scary. You want them. And I can't believe like when I think about the stuff that I was doing when I was a kid and my parents were letting me. I mean, listen, I got yelled at enough times for not having my helmet on right. because the biggest thing with them is if you bash your head and 
We didn't wear helmets when I was growing yeah. up. <laughs> well, I mean, and this was rollerblading. It was like, if you bash your head in this and this and this and this and this, and then it's, it's like, right. you know, so I got in trouble enough for that. But, and now when we go snowboarding, the first thing Daniela does is put on a helmet and I have learned to do it too. Right. It's like, you know, when I would do the, I would put on the rollerblading helmet when I was doing something that I knew I was trying, like, but a simple trick that I've done a million times. And yes, obviously your parents are like, well, what happens that one time? And it's like, right. yeah, well, that's the, the 99.8%, right. you know, that's the 0.2%. Right. And it's like, I can't live like that. But right. I understand if I'm doing something that I don't feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. it's probably a good idea I put that helmet on or a pad on. Right. So it gives you that anxious feeling for a second, right? And you know, okay, well, all I have to do to subside that anxious feeling, which is the emotion I feel when I feel fear, is I put a helmet on. Yeah. So now- I'm not anxious anymore that if I fall down, I'm more than likely not going to hurt my head. Hopefully not. And that takes the fear away. Yeah. So it's just really interesting. I find it really fascinating. The things that we're afraid of, the things that we fear that maybe we put on other people because our fears are all the time, right? All the time. I think we, 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 our insecurities come out as anger towards others that either don't have that insecurity or you forget that they're there to help you. Yes. Right. I think that happens with relationships all the time because usually you have people that- There's the ego. Yeah, And there's the ego because if you're letting, if your wife was going to say to you, hey, Mike, I don't think you should do that. Like, hey, nobody's going to tell Mike what to do. You know what's going on, whatever the situation is. Well, yeah, but I also know that I'm not going to do anything to put anybody like my family in danger, right? right? Right. Like I've, that's why I'm not going skydiving. Exactly. Like I, I missed that opportunity in my life. Probably should have done it, didn't. Mm-hmm. But I've, ju- I've also jumped off a 78 foot bridge. Really? You know? Yeah. Into Lake George. Wow. Yeah. How old were you when you did that? I don't know. We were like 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. 21. Right. When you I'm have- not sure I could do that right now. Right. Probably not. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, physically- I think it's probably not a great idea, but I should. <laughs> I should because. And I, I flirted with the idea lately of putting the rollerblades back on and doing some simple things. I was going to ask you about because that. Because. I do feel feel like the older I get, the more of a wimp I become. Like I go to the beach now and that water's cold and I'm in and out of it. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, but is it that you're a wimp? I mean, the water, yes, I'm going to call you a wimp right now. Yeah. But So it's like just jumping in and out. Just do it. But that's not really fear, right? Well, is no, it? but I mean, it's the simplest form of fear. Yeah, I right? guess so. Yes, I think that as we get older, we those little fears that we've allowed to stay in our lives, they do become bigger as we get older, because we know that maybe our body and our mind, I mean, I'm talking like an old lady right now, but maybe our bodies and our minds will not react the same way they did it (laughs) when we were 18 or 20 years old. I I mean, I played tennis the other day for the first time in years Mm -hmm. and there was no way my body reacted the same way. Right. I mean, I would serve in volley when I was a kid. I did it, but I could only get up to the net. If you hit it somewhat over my head and I knew I could go back and get it, like the brakes and the, the restart to go backwards. Don't right. start, like the hips are just like, no, dude, we're, we're up here <laughs> at the net. Let that ball go. We're not getting back to it. And so, yeah, it just, it doesn't, it, things don't react the same way, but, but, it, but, I, but I think as you get, the, as you get older, right. It's like, how do I challenge myself? Yet um, I can't do, you know, I can't do a 180 off of 10 stairs. Right. Or I can't go. Do you even desire to do that? Yeah, well, I do it snowboarding. Oh, okay. I still do it a little snowboarding because I feel like the snow is uh, softer than the cement. Concrete, yeah. 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 Um, 
So I, I still, but, but that's where like the challenge comes in. And it's like, I, I still need to do that in my life. Like I've always been, and, and listen, I'm not the guy that's like, I'm and, and w- in my crew of when we were rollerblading or jumping off the bridges, like I was never the first to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I want to see somebody else do it. So would you, would you define yourself as not a risk taker? No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a calculated risk taker. Okay. I think that's good. Yeah. And if, and it's not that I do it because, oh, well, Joey and Johnny did it. Right. No, no, it's like, I don't feel comfortable doing this, mm-hmm. but let me see what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. And if other people are doing it, I look at that and I go, oh, or I'm, I'm more athletic than that kid, I or under- I'm more this than that. And I could do that. Yeah. I understand like, that mentality because I'll do that also. I will see what everybody else is doing to maybe see how they're doing it or what happens. Even when I competed in fitness shows, you never want to be the first one out, first of all. Yeah, right. Because you're setting the bar. You don't ever want to be the first one out. I learned that the hard way. But, you know, after seeing a bunch of girls go on stage, you're like, okay, well, she did it this way. And I wasn't going to do it that way anyway. But you just, you get a feel. You just get a feel and you're like, okay, I got this. I got this. I know what my body and my mind are ready to do. And I think when we're talking about fear and failure, risk is inevitable, right? Yeah, I think it has to be. But when people go, oh, they're fearless. It's like, well... I know a few people that are fearless mm-hmm. and they're out of their goddamn minds. Right. 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 <laughs> they're nuts. Right. They're they're. It's like, so I, 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 a lot of times I don't like that term. Like, like, Oh, that person is fearless. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, cause mm-hmm. because it's a lot of it tells like fearlessly authentic. Well, you you think give me that, evil, evil, evil Knievel, right? Right. He was fearless, but he right. was crazy. Right. And so, and there's all these other people and it's like. Do people ever even, even know who Evil Knievel is? Do I, don't I just know. totally age myself here. <laughs> I do. But yeah. So like when people talk about that fearless, my, and, and maybe this is the way I look at it and define it. Like I hear fearless and I hear reckless. I understand that. So I may, and then, so I define myself as I'm a risk taker. Okay. Right. So this is my mental gymnastics to get over fears. Right. But maybe I've never. Maybe I've never went that extra step mm-hmm. where I was fearless and reckless to be able to attain a bigger yeah, goal. Yeah, but I don't think it, you right? said, you I said, don't know. You said that reckless goes with fearless. But in my in, head. In your head. I don't necessarily go there with fearless. Yeah. I think of maybe because I'm thinking of a more gentle fearless versus mm-hmm. you're thinking skateboarding, rollerblading. Well, any, with anything though, but I look at like, why didn't I risk more on that stock trade? Why when, when, when I first moved out to LA and got into the industry, why didn't I press harder to do X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. to get to this Okay, so why didn't level? you? Or if you do you regret that you didn't take no, more risk? No, I don't, I don't regret. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't regret right. things at all because I think I took, and my mentality has always been take enough risk to feel uncomfortable. Yep. Follow what I wanted to do. And at the end of the day, all I wanted was freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Freedom to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it within reason you know, obviously you have to have jobs and things of this nature, right. but I wanted a certain amount of freedom. When I moved to LA and I started working freelance in mm-hmm. television, I had that. Right. So you had the money, you had the freedom. Yeah. Well, money I mean, gives you freedom. Right. And, and at that point, I didn't have anybody to support. Mm-hmm. So I was making X, even though X wasn't this exorbitant amount of right, money. Of course. I was like, yeah, I'm cool with that. 
But I like what you just said about um, you take a risk to just make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I think to me, that's what I think of being fearless is that you're going outside. And I know this is so overused, but you're going outside your comfort zone to feel like this doesn't feel right. It's like doing a HIIT workout and getting there where you can't control your breathing right away. You know, you're going to be able to control that breathing, but at the moment it feels like you're never going to catch your breath. So you're like, I'm comfortable. I'm going to stop. Or if you want to grow, you're going to go with it. Well, then you also need like support of a teacher in that or support of a class. Like that's where that calculated risk comes in. Exactly. Like nobody that doesn't have any idea how to swim should be jumping in the water. Right. And you could say that's fearless. Yes. Oh, that guy didn't know how to no, swim. No, I would call that reckless. Jumping. That's reckless. I would call that reckless. Yes, for you sure. Know? So that that's where, that's where in, in my head, the, the mental gymnastics of the definition happens. I, I like the mental gymnastics because I think it's really true. And you hear a lot of young kids these days, I really am. I sound like an old lady. <laughs> These kids young saying that kids. when I have the gray wings out know, today because I need yeah, a haircut. Yeah, Aaron, you know, these young kids, Aaron's listening here. <laughs> um, a few people ask me about you, Aaron. Anyway, we'll talk about that at break. Anyway, the I feel that the younger kids, my, my daughter's ages, the millennials, um, are very anxious bunch of kids. And well, yeah. is that because why is that because they fear taking risks is where does that fear come from? Because in fear, the emotion is anxiety. So when you hear people talk about, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling anxious. What is that? Is that, that must be a fear of trying something. Well, I, I, I don't know. This will probably get me, get me kicked and stomped and yelled at, but I think in the probably mid to late 90s, definitely into the 2000s, the early 2000s. I think society, money was, was, was flowing pretty yes, good from was. Federal yep. Reserve. Just talking about I think that. a lot of that kind of like not boomer or like the edge of the boomers on your, your, your side. Your generation. Like Z, I think. 42, but like basically- I'm 60. I was born in 1960. So I'm the, at the end of the boomers. Right. So you're right. right. So the end of the boomer and then probably people that are like, you know, know, 50 years old and 50 to 60. Right. Yeah. They all had kids. The 90s was good. There was a lot of money floating around and there was a lot of technology changes going on. So I think what happened was, wow, we got through this boomer generation. We got through the inflation in the 1970s. We survived the 80s. We get to the 90s and voila. This is, this is, we're this pumping is, out those kids and we have this is money. Utopia. This well, is where this it is. is. We, I mean, I have myself to, to say as well. I mean, we were one of those people when I was married, we built a McMansion. I mean, everybody right. in the late and 90s so, was building a McMansion. And what I think happened with the kids was we don't want them to go through all the stuff that we had to go through. Right. Right. We want so, to save them from that heartache. Right. But we're not just going to let them on the path. We're going to try and start clearing that path. My mom always had this thing uh, of telling me about that. I know, it's like, I know. And so, you know, with my, with my brother that passed, yes. right? Um, it, that was a big thing I think she used in her head to, mm. to kind of get over her fear and insecurities of it was her fault. Ex- right. Do you want to explain that a little bit? I don't know. I mean, this is just my, I, I don't even, I don't even have talked to my mom about this, but, but right. Like nothing's, you know, he was 23. Yeah. Like he was making his own decisions. Yeah. Nobody was clearing that path for him. Right. That, right. But maybe before people are trying to clear the path. But I think in that, in that time span, 
and, and the technological revolution that was going on, because now they have this in the phone, like this breeds anxiety. I think, and well, we all go through it now, whether we, whether we can control it or not. I mean, it's this or that. I mean, look at Twitter, look at Facebook, all this stuff is out of control, but that all started that 2000s year. So I think people, and we have the capability to have a lot more safety, to, to give them a lot more things, to put them on the path and all these things. And it's like, whoa, whoa, stop. Right. So again, pulling back to that whole fear idea, like I, I don't remember my parents ever worrying, quote unquote, worrying about me if I was out until two o'clock in the morning, because guess what? If I was out, they couldn't get in touch with me. Right. I didn't have a cell phone. We didn't have phones. Correct. I had to be at a friend's house. So right. if I was lying to my parents, which I never did, because I was so good, <laughs> um, really, I was so good all the time that, but that they couldn't have gotten in touch with me. So did they, were they, I don't remember ever coming home and my mom and dad going, I was so scared. Where were you? They were like, all right, you're home late. You're punished. You're yeah. grounded for a week. It wasn't- and listen, there, there's a balance to that too, because right. maybe you felt like, well, you should have cared. Right. <laughs> and, right. And so, and I also think that's happened with, we, now we have the, the boomer millennial fight going on. Oh in the yeah. World. And I think, yeah, the boomers may be too far. Like you didn't pick everything up by your bootstraps. Right. Okay. It wasn't you that did this. It was my grandfather. When I had this argument with my uncle, uh-huh. I was like, you know, no, my grandfather did it. Your, your father did that. Mm-hmm. Not you. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So it's okay. Right. I understand where you're coming from, but it don't make it sound like you built the roads and the bridges. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. And then now the millennials, it's like, uh, slow down. You need to work. You need to do something. Right. And I think a lot of boomer parents like myself are, um, I mean, my daughters have jobs, they're on their own. I'm very proud of them. Um, But yes, I see a lot of parents my age dealing with that. And maybe that was because of the fear that the boomer parents had that they were having so much success. They wanted to make the path easier for their yeah, children. Right. So they feared and now their they're children. Right. Other. So they feared their children would right. not be able to have the amount of success that we have as boomers. So they're enabling them. So now these kids are all anxious because they fear right. going out and taking a risk. Right. But yeah. Is that it in a nutshell? Yeah, Did gra- I just figure it out? I think so. My grandfather <laughs> built the roads, but some millennial kids are like Mark Zuckerberg built Facebook. Right. Like they built things. Yeah. Maybe we need more worry about physical things in the nature, but like a lot of millennials or a lot of younger people created all these technological advances that we have. So let's, let's not get it twisted in this whole fight. I know. I know. Boomers need to come here and millennials need to come here and maybe my generation is just here. Like, Hey, yeah. What is your generation doing by the way? We have one minute. Right now, I think we're up? having kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's going to be a big baby boom. And wondering, like, where where do we play in this circus of generations that are arguing with each other? With each other and we're like, yeah, we don't really care. It's it's really it's a, again that's a it's a really interesting thing. The boomers and uh, the but it's a lot of it's fear. I know. That's fear that I, they didn't do it right. The boomers they yes, didn't raise their right, kids right. Don't, don't tell me. Yeah, I know. There's my <laughs> ego. Okay, so we're gonna take a break and get back to this fear and failure. Do you really need to fail to be successful? So oh. we need to get over our fear. Do we need to fail and then grow and be successful? We'll talk about that after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, Following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code PODCAST to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fearlessly Authentic as we're talking about fear and being fearless. So now we're going to move on to failure and what that actually means. So I looked it up and here we go. Failure is the lack of success, which means a lack of, I can't even read my own writing. That's really, really bad. The omission of expected or no, required. No, no. Um, a lack of, well, we just won't. It's it's a lack of success by an, a desirable action. Number two, it means the omission of an ex, of expected or required action. And three, the action or state of not function. So if you you lose your power or mm-hmm. your business right. stops. So I think when I when I think of failure, I think of as a, a lack of success. So uh, the omission, the one that resonates with me is the omission of expected or required action because that that's what, just what resonates with me. How about you, Mike? When you think of failure. Maybe you don't even think about it. Maybe I'm the only. No, I've I've thought about failure. 
because you can't think or do any of these fear, fear, failure, success without thinking about it. Uh, I think, I think I probably got over it, you know, a handful of times in my life where it was, I guess what people would call failure or, you know, serious thinking about like, did I just fail at that? And then you realize like, nah, not really. You only fail yourself if you don't put in the time, the effort and of what you want. Like, I guess if you were trying to become a doctor and you didn't pass your MCATs MCATs, or you were trying to become a lawyer and you didn't do well on the LSATs, you failed. But did you? I don't know. Now, if you really wanted to be that and that was your calling, yeah, you failed. Yes. But it was on you because- Maybe you didn't prepare. You didn't prepare. And maybe also, if we're going to stay in that vein for a second, maybe it's just not your calling. For example, what you do is all this sound, audio. Yeah. You have- Well, I knew that from- probably the time I was 10 years old. Because you liked gadgets and noise and sound. I liked to, like I figured out how to record um, basketball games on the VCR where my dad didn't have it hooked up right. Mm -hmm. Right. But I knew I wanted to be in this industry. I didn't know where, but also, but I, I, I took the LSATs. You did? This is a funny story. Oh yeah. I took them too. Oh yeah. So (laughs) I was actually going to go to law school too. Well, we're about to we're about <laughs> to graduate, and a couple of my buddies are like, "We're tech, we're taking the LSATs." One of my buddies, who lives in New Haven, uh-huh. he's my he's my confidant, but best friend, but a lawyer. Uh-huh. Okay. I knew he wanted to go in that direction. Okay, so he took the LSATs, and then me and my buddy L, we'll call him L. Okay. Me and my buddy L took the LSATs, and my dad was like, "You better study for him. You better study for him." And you know what I was like. Why would I study for a test where I got to see if that, what I got? So you didn't really care. Right. See, that's. So the night before we start, we do these things from the book and my buddy L is like, ah, and I knew we were just taking it because he didn't know what he wanted to do. Right. I, I, I mean, obviously. You thought, well, hey, I, if I could pull this off, then maybe being a lawyer well, is my yeah, thing. Yeah. And I like, like, don't get it twisted. I love to argue. I love to pontificate. I, I, I love to, to, to angle. I, 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 I like all that stuff. But a lot of times lawyers aren't that unless you're going after constitutional law, which is a very, you know, you're talking about some huge stuff, which maybe I would have been successful at. I don't know. All I know is we walked in and I'm always early, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Giants coach Tom Coughlin said, if you're five minutes early, you're 10 minutes late. And you're like, what? So I would get, so I got there and I was like one of the first people. This girl walks in, another girl walks in and they're like, you could just see. The angst it's, it's, in them. There's the anxiety. And me, right? I'm sitting there like, hey, whatever. Right. We'll see how this goes. Right. And they started talking to me and they were like, oh, how much did you study? And I was like, uh, I looked at a book last night. And they were like, no way. And they were getting pissed. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, I, I wanted to come in with a fresh set of eyes and just see, like, I can take the LSATs again. What's it going to kill me if I take it again? Right. If somebody asked me, you know, I, they go, why'd you take it twice? I go, because I didn't try this time. And I saw that I wanted to do right. it. And I right. went and got a you know, 35% better grade, right? Because I tried. Right. So I had no problem trying to explain that to some law school or whatever, but I wanted to see it as a, as a litmus test almost. Right. And I went in and I took it, but took these it. people were panicking. Well, that happened to somebody I know also uh, who didn't prep for it, but studied for it. And he got there to take the LSATs and he freaked out 
And yeah, which the, I get the exact same thing. Well, oh my goodness, should I have studied more? Should I have done this? But that's more? the thing. So, so do you become a failure of your own success, essentially? Right? You know, you want this, so go work to get it. Now, they looked at me like I was a jerk, but I didn't know if I wanted it. Right. So I wanted to see by this test was testing me to see if I did want it. Right? Yeah. Like if I did exceptional, I probably would have been like, yeah, I'm going to law school. I did really good. You know, I could have gone to Quinnipiac or UConn. I'm sure of that. Like I got the same grades as, as some of the other peers that I know. Yeah. I mean, I didn't do exceptional, but like people could have gone to law school, people that went to law school, like my buddy, Josh, I was slightly lower than what he did. Right. So like, I just knew where I was at. Right. And it was like, okay, but I'm good with this. Now he went to law school and, but we both went out to Vail, Colorado at the same time. Mm -hmm. He took a year off Mm -hmm. and I decided to just go screw around for a year. Right. Um, but I, that's the question. Like when you take the LSAT, if you really want to go to law school and, and you fail the test, you don't do well, you're not going down that path. So Ex- the question, so you better, you better do good. So that's, but that's- you, you're psyching yourself out when you go into the test because you, you've already, you, you have so much fear that if I don't do this right. Well, the fear paralyzes you. Right. Yes. So then you can't think. So then you, but, but so if then you, you really, fail. So, you, so you're 20, what are you, 22, right? Just out of college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're 21, basically 20, 22. 22. Yep. So at 21 or 22, you're taking the LSATs because you think you're going here. Yeah. And you fail. What, what the hell else would you feel like? Right. Because you've set yourself up for that is the ultimate. That is the penultimate goal. And, and if you ask most of the people that are really, really super, super, super duper, super duper successful, mm-hmm. that was never what they wanted to do in the first place. Or they never had that success. Like Steve Jobs got fired from, from Apple. Right. Right. And then came back. Right. So, yeah, he wanted to start a computer company, but he didn't, didn't go this way. Well, so, okay. So that brings me back to what I said at the beginning, which was there's fear. Yeah. There's failure. Right. There's growth. So for me, and our minds definitely work differently, but similar that because I'm such a scaredy cat, I'm not as much of a scaredy cat as I used to, but yeah, like doing this live read at the beginning, I was scared to death. I was shaking. So I was like, go, go. What's the worst, what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. Exactly. What is the worst thing that can happen? Somebody on the internet thinks you're an idiot. Well, that's what the internet's for. But what I wouldn't do is is have a show about math problems or science problems because I would suck at it. It right. would be a failure because it's not something I'm passionate about. It's not something I would want to work hard to succeed at, right. even though we're not supposed to end a sentence with a preposition. So Grace, don't hate me for that. <laughs> um, so I truly believe that my fears, I'm talking about personally, and I know this from a lot of people also, and how you feel about this, I'd like to know, is so my fears um, have gotten in, a, in the way in the past of me going forward to figure out what it is that I want to pursue. And sometimes I have failed before I even tried it because my fear stopped me. So sure, it's it's failing before I even 
I failed myself. That's where, that's where the fear and the failure come from me that I failed myself because if I could get over that damn fear, the anxiety, the ego, then maybe I could pursue something that is going to help me grow. And all of the fears and all of the failures I've had in the past have made me the person I am today. Well, it's also, you you mentioned ego. Yeah. So it's either ego good or you're an egotistical, maniacal lunatic that you really, that you really think that this one thing could set your life either failure or success. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous proposition. If you think being a lawyer at 21 (laughs) is the end all be all goal and you fail that test, you, you weren't supposed to be a lawyer because you wouldn't have failed. I completely agree so, with you. But, but you set this egotistical lunatic up in your head that okay. says, I have to have this. This is, this is it. And it's like, dude, somebody tell me the Disney story that their life played out as. I once wrote a song called Disney Story <laughs> when I was in high school. Did you? Yeah. And it was all about like, do the money grow on trees in the sweet suburban breeze? The only story I know like this is the Disney one I missed. Oh, I like that. But the whole thing. So if you tell me that's that's your path and you fail, yes, you failed. I'm sorry. All right. So let's talk about your but, fears. But I don't think. But but Not if you fears, really take right. your ego out of it, mm-hmm. you realize that it's just one thing along this many road of a path of life that goes from the time you're zero years old to you know hopefully the time you're 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 65, 70, 75, 80. You know, and right. some people don't get that. My brother never got that. He never got the chance to, to figure out a mistake. And so you look at that and you say, well, well, why am I screwing around here mm-hmm. when, when at 23, he doesn't get a chance to, to do things right, right or try again, right. right? So if anybody looks at their success when they're 21 or 22, as this is where it's going, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure because it never happens that way. That's a good point. That's, and I think, but that only comes with experience that you have. And I don't well, think yeah, when, you're, when you're in that moment, it's hard to see that. But I think, I think people in our lives lead us there. We just don't listen because we think we know it all. Or sometimes maybe if you have boomer parents or parents well, of a certain there generation. It is. You need to listen to your elders because we do have the experience. You have to listen to your elders, but you have to decipher through their crap. Right. You have to listen <laughs> you have to, to decipher because through I, ego. Do that, I do that with my daughters all yeah. the time. You know, they'll talk to me about something and I know they know what I'm going to say. And I right. think to myself, I need to, you know, try to quiet their fear or the anxiety, whatever they're calling me about to help them get through that. That. So when I moved out to Vail, my buddy, mm-hmm. Josh had gone to law school. I mean, he took the LSATs, got into a college, took a deferral, mm-hmm. told me to move out. We moved out. It's, this, is a long, this is a long story, but I'm going to shorten. My dad said to me, that sounds like a good idea because he had just retired that summer. So him and I at home through a whole winter. You and your dad? Yeah, he had retired. I graduated college. And then through that whole summer, I worked. But I was like, we're going we're gonna to have a, it's going to be a war <laughs> because he's going to be wanting me to do something. And I'm, you know, we're a little bit of a different person. Yes. But he said, Mike, why would you just drive out there? Go out there, fly out there. It's a ski town. Go get a job, right? They're going to look to hire. Say, look, I'll be back in two weeks. What are they going to do? Not hire you? They're, I mean, it's a ski town. It's, it's not going to start cranking until at least September, right? If not October, November. Right. So I was like, oh, wow. All through my dad's insanity of driving me nuts. He's actually telling me I should do this but I should take a decently calculated risk because why risk it all? 
Right. So there goes the, that's the experience of somebody who's older than you seeing things more clearly. But I had to get through his, but, but you had to get the, through the ego BS between my dad and I, I understand. Right? Yep. I really, and you know what day I booked the flight for? What? 9-11. Oh no. So I never flew out. So two weeks later I did this. Wow. I did the do, I put everything in the tr- car and I drove out. Wow. No, I mean, there's something to be said about the experience of older people um, because we do have the experience and expertise in life, I guess. But it's also what we've also heard is um, learn from my mistakes, right? So the mistakes that you've learned in your life thus far, you want to teach Daniela not to make the same mistakes, whatever they Ah, can be. See, I want her to pick her path and I I don't want her- If you see her going in the wrong direction, aren't you going to stop her and say, whoa, yeah, but I it's not wanna, about my mistakes. No, but are right? So I yeah. So you're not going to save her from learning a mistake that you've already learned. Well, I, no, I'm not going to save her because at a certain age she's going to make her own decision. I understand. I'm but going to up but, until like. But listen to the, the, the all right. Listen to the communication. He scares me a little bit. Go right. ahead. Can I save you? Have you ever been able to save an alcoholic? Never. Have you ever right? So why am I going to tell you that egotistically? I think. I'm big time enough, smart enough, pretty enough, good looking enough, whatever it is to save you or to do, right? I'm not going to save Daniela. What I'm going to tell Daniela is here's the situation. Daddy did this in his past. He made these decisions and this is what happened. Do you think this is a good idea? What are you thinking in your head? I'm not going to say, hey, Daniela, I got to save you from this. No, I, right? and I think but that's- it's, it's that, the dichotomy in the, the words and the, those slight little things of the way we present things to people. Yeah, that goes up your butt. I could tell. It gets away our ego because it takes our ego out of it. So many people talk about their ego and their feelings. Yes. Like, I'm, like you should feel the same way I should feel. Right. You shouldn't. You're a different person. Right. So what? let me- And I'm not going to save it. Let me rephrase this when I'm saying saving. Save them the time of going through it. And I can't say present to them the arguments. Correct. Right. Show them this is what this is what and ask them for their opinions on what you've presented. And then they can make their own risk. They can take their own risk. I agree with that thought process. And then not having only having a certain amount of safety net there. Right. And your daughter's only five. <laughs> You'll see what happens. Um, it, it does. The, well, but the that's what every, I get. Right. But that's what everybody says. So in my head, I'm already preparing. What is the fear that I get to get over? Right. Right. So what is the fear so in my head? is it that you don't want her to fail at something? No, I, I don't. Like the fear is I need to let her do things to see things. Because if I don't let her see those things, she will think that I saw it because dad. Okay. Dad led me here. Dad paved the way for me. Dad smoothed out this path. Dad, 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 or mom. I'm right. And it's like, I want you to be able to figure out critically thinking in your head, what your feelings are. Dad presents what has happened to him just about his life. And you make a decision on what you think going forward is the best rather than me saying, Hey, Daniela, don't do this. Or because I did this or daddy did this. Cause that's my ego saying, if I say daddy failed at that, Right. That's me saying, you know what? I did something stupid. I don't want to put failure in her head. I said, well, like when daddy started a business, he had this problem. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe she'll go have that same problem. Right. But at least if you present that, it was the same thing when my dad came to me and he said, fly out and find it. Like there's been like three or four times in my whole entire life that I've got my dad. Mm-hmm. That was one of them. Yeah. Take a calculated risk because right risk management, they say it about it in the stock market. You right. do it every day when you walk outside, like risk management. Right. How do you manage the risk? You can't be that fearless 
person that well, is, right, you is, is the, the crazy reckless, one. Right. You reckless can't, and you fearless can't be reckless. don't work. So before we got on the show and we were talking about what we were going to discuss, um, I made a strong argument about that I do believe that you do need to have some failures in your life. You do need to fail sometimes in order to succeed, which equals to me maybe personal and professional success and growth. Yeah. And success looks different for everybody. Success to one person might be like for you. Um, what was the saying that you said? Give me, give me the fortune, not the fame. Yeah, give me the fortune, keep the fame. Keep Louis the Armstrong fame. Said that keep one. the fame. Right. And so part of like what successful might look like, and that's what made me think of what you said was, is it the fortune? Is it the fame? And I was talking about working out. We both work out. We both. I don't work out enough. I can tell you that I <laughs> fail at that a lot, but that's a personal battle I fight. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Not interesting. I know you well enough where I know <laughs> that that's, but I feel that in order to, when, when you're doing, you know, reps mm-hmm. and you go to failure, then that's when, that's when the change happens. That's when you start reaching success. So if I'm using 15 pound dumbbells to do bicep curls and I'm repping out 15, I'm going to go the next set. I'm going to pick up maybe the twenties this time, but I'm only going to go to five, but now I failed to go to 15, but I went to failure. So my muscles were tired. So now I'm succeeding. Well, see, I, yeah, that's, that's a weird thing that, you know, way more than I do, but, no, I, you know it, it, but it seems to me that, right. Like the whole idea is to get your muscles to fail. So they go back strong, but which I, is, well, that's ironic. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a metaphor for life. Well, that, I, that's, that's what just popped in my See? head. It's like, oh, wow, you, you're right. You tear the muscles. So they build back stronger. Right. And so when you fall down, yeah. you get back up and you might've skimmed your knees. The next time you might scrape your elbow, but you don't want to, you don't want to bust your muscles out and then go back and do it just as hard the next day or no, the you, next That's set. the calculated right. risk. Correct. Right. Like you that's, need that time to rest because your body is building back. So even, even when you fail, right, I, I listen, I, there, there's been times where I felt personal failure mm-hmm. or felt like I didn't do something. See, like failure is a really tough word. It's a tremendous word. Yeah. And so when you put the weight of the world of the failure on, you know, like the other day with KD and the Nets, like, you know, he hit a shot, game winning shot until he looked down and realized his foot was on the line. So it became a game tying shot. And then he missed the, the game winning shot in overtime because he was dead. He was tired. Yeah, those guys are exhausted. And it was like, you know, like his mom gave him a hug afterwards. And it was like, yeah, you know, like, did you fail, KD? I'm not sure. Like, yeah, you wanted to win, but you just came back from a torn Achilles. Yeah. And you just dropped 47 points and made the game tying shot and a hair more, you know, one big toe. That's the game winning shot. It's like, Mm. if he thought he failed, what would he do? He wouldn't go back and play because that's, that would be the scariest thing. So he didn't think he failed. No, he he thought, hey, guess what? You know what? I didn't get this time. Maybe. But I made this comeback, right? Like thinking from his position, because he probably felt like his career was over when he tore his Achilles, right? right? That's a terrible injury. And to come back the way he's came back this year, he can't think like a failure. No. And so that's why successful people don't think about failure. Because the failure word is such an abysmal well, word. Well, as I'm looking at these two words here, fear and failure, they're huge words. And I think very successful people do not let fear and the fear of failure to stop them because 
they're using calculated risks to go forward and grow personally, professionally, and be successful. Yeah, I don't think lives. they ever talk about failure. No, because I don't think like serial entrepreneurs, they always tell you they never think they fail. Now they're afraid. Right. They're probably afraid to start another business after you have one or two bombs. Yeah. But I don't think they think about failure. And I think really successful people never think they're going to fail. They might feel inside some things that feel like fail, but they don't not they don't feel like a failure. Right. It's such a negative word. If I called you a failure right now, that would put you into a tizzy. I I walk out of the room. It's the same thing with a kid. (laughs) Right. Like if you tell a kid they're a failure, that's a word that's gonna just Oh, it's heavy. It's heavy, man. It's right. So why think about failure? Fear, on the other hand, right. Think about fear. Embrace the fear. Use the fear because it's the thing that gets you to the successful part. Even if you quote unquote fail, the whole idea was to get through the fear. So do you that's the successful part? Okay, so here I go. (laughs) For most people. Do you feel that you have to fail at something to succeed? No. In any part of your life? No, I think you have to have fear. And you have to feel like you didn't do as good as you could, but I don't think you ever need to feel like a failure to succeed. Because I think when you feel like a failure, it's one of those, it makes, it sounds like you're on the mat already. Hmm. That's, that's what it feels like to me. Look, I I have a pretty big ego. I keep it in check, but I do. I know that I don't ever want to fail at something, but I can look back now. Um, messed up, screwed up, name any other word besides failure. I've done it. All right. Well, going forward, I you won't know? use it. But because I, I, but it, but this is the way I think I, I, I know I, I think tweak it's, my mind, right? It's like mental gymnastics over these definition of these words, because the definition of failure in general is not a bad definition. No. Right. It, but the feeling you get from the word. Right. And the way it's used in society, it's a terrible definition. It's the worst one it's, in the it's world. A, it's a hard word to swallow. Yeah. It definitely is. Um, so we're coming towards the end of the show, unfortunately, because I know we can talk about all these things <laughs> and we can still talk about failure and fear, but the next time I have you on the show, we will, um, talk about some other things, but I think we really beat up this failure and really got to the bottom of it. I like it. Yeah. I think that, I mean, next- I think success is, is, and success is what you want. Don't make it about anybody else. Right. Because, you know, the way people look at you doesn't matter. You need to feel it inside. And that's why I, I think for me, it's like, yeah, I didn't fail. We have like 30 seconds left. All right, I got you know, I have to ask you. What? What does fearlessly authentic mean to you or being fearlessly authentic? Well, here, here's another one. For All right, you, we got right? 30 seconds. Fearlessly authentic is inside you, right? Like be serious about yourself. So if you feel like a failure, you're going to fail. Don't feel like a failure. Like fearlessly authentic is, the, is, is to me is the fact that you're going to go and be like, you know what? I am, I am afraid of this, but I'm going to jump over it and I'm going to try it because that's the success. The success is doing that. That's how I feel. I love it. Mike DiMatteo, thank you so much for being oh, my guest. It's good guest. to see you Hopefully, and it's good to be here on Back on in another room. 30 days. I love Sounds this. Um, have a great Thursday, everybody. And remember to subscribe and share with your friends. And thank you so much for tuning in again this week for another episode of Fearlessly Authentic. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.